Galatians chapter 6 is where we are this morning. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Galatians chapter 6. We're continuing our study on, on 100-fold, on what it means to receive such a blessing from God, that he would, he would pour out His blessings upon us, that we would reap, in other words, in response to the sowing that we have done according to His promises, that He has said, hey, if you sow faithfully, then you will reap as such. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. That's really what the whole sermon series has been about. And so today, as we continue walking through this, we'll begin again in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6 and read verse through 10. And we're going to talk about a specific application that's actually at the beginning of these texts. So would you go with me there? Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And the one who sows to his spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Would you pray with me, please, this morning? Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We pray that we would diligently study and sow our time into it, that we may reap a fruitful blessing from you. Father, I pray that we would reap, reap wisdom from the study of your word, and that you would teach us, challenge us, and by grace convict us. And draw us to repentance. Lord, we love you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. The first verse. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. There's this really simple concept that we get right out of the gate. Is that... It, there is this relationship between the proclamation of the word and the good gifts that come from it and go in all directions, right? Now, it's an understanding that you have a church with pastors who proclaim God's words, who shepherd the sheep accordingly, and they, they receive back good things from the congregations, share all good things. There's this interesting relationship dynamic that happens. There's this teaching, proclamation, shepherding, and then there is this good sharing that happens towards the pastor as well. It's the congregation to the pastor, and then it's the pastor to the congregation. And then there's a dynamic that's not really mentioned here, but there's also between the congregation itself. Here's what we're saying. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides, right? It cuts, and it heals. And it's like a bomb that brings us closer and closer together as God's people, both in the pastor to the congregation, the congregation to the pastor, and amongst the congregation itself. In other words, all good things does not just mean tithing, although it does mean tithing, and you should. <laughs> it means much more than that. It means a dynamic of encouragement to one another. It means a, a dynamic of challenge to one another. It means a, a dynamic of of building up and cutting when it's necessarily done. It means that as we grow in the word, we challenge and edify and bring one another along in the word unashamedly. We just talked about this morning about in Sunday school 
we talked about the idea of, of not being scared of conflict. And one of the things that I've noticed is that as, as one Christian grows in one particular area, maybe it's, it's not being scared of conflict or in participating and engaging with others, whatever that particular area may, may be, it's almost like, this is a bad analogy, but it's like a good infection. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's, like, it's like good yeast. It's like something that spreads throughout the rest of the congregation. Why? Because we learn something and we're sharing it with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You are not isolated to yourself individual units. I don't care what the government around us says. I don't care what the culture around us says. You are a part of a body. And that body of believers engages and participates and teaches and challenges and edifies one another according to the word that you're taught. What we're saying is, sure, tithing is important. Whatever. I'm talking about sharing all good things, because that's what it says. All good things. Some of the most fruitful conversations of my, of my life is whenever I learn something new and I kick it around with the, with the first Christian that I can find. <laughs> most of the time, that's my wife. But some of y'all work with me during the week, and so sometimes it's you. But if I've got something fresh in the hopper, I want to go talk about it. Why? Because it, it helps me drive it down deeper into my heart. It helps me retain it more. It helps me apply it out farther and faster. I want to go chat through it and, and have some pushback and some, and some, and some encouragement and some, all those different things. You see, all good things means that when you learn the Word of God... You bring it to one another, and you do so consistently and faithfully, without fear of conflict, without fear of whatever it may be. You bring all things that you learn to as many as you possibly can. Congregation to congregation, pastor to congregation, congregation to pastor, all of those things. Why? Because of the simple biblical principle that we've been learning this entire series. You reap what you sow. Amen? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could fortify this culture of encouraging and admonishing one another in the word every day? Hey, I learned something new. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Let's bring it all the way down. What does that mean we should do? It means we should do this and we should live this way. Isn't it such an odd dynamic that we would learn something new in the world, in the word, excuse me, and then not talk to anybody around us in the world about it? What a, I just learned this defining life-altering truth that's going to make everything better about how I live. But I'm going to keep it right here. That is stupid, right? It is. It's almost like, hey, I found diamonds, but you don't get any. <laughs> I'm going to keep them all right here. Hey, I found the cure for cancer, but I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. I'm going to hold it right here. Hey, I found, you see what I'm saying? When we find the truths of the scripture, we bring it to those around us and we kick the ball around. We share all good things, all good things. You sow, excuse me, what you sow, you're also going to reap. Now, this is financial application as well. Don't get me wrong here. Like if you're, if you're refusing to tithe, if you're refusing to be generous to the poor, if you're refusing to, to, to wield your money, your assets for the kingdom, your resources for the kingdom, then God's going to quit pouring his resources into you and start finding other places to do so. You will reap what you will sow. But how profound would it also be if we as God's people would sow his word as often as we got an opportunity to do so? Why? Because you're going to reap more of it. 
because the culture of who we are as God's people would shift in a direction. But let me warn you in advance. Go to verse 9. When you start practicing this, okay, it's going to get a little, a little weary at times. Verse 9 is very clear. It says, and let us not grow weary of good doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In other words, to do this work, right, to, to foster solid Christian relationships with other believers that you're in covenantal community with, to, to proclaim God's truths faithfully in all settings and all spheres of your life, to, to remember to tithe, to remember to manage your money well, to remember to discipline yourself appropriately as the, as the Bible has instructed you to do, is tiring. That's why Jesus says, that's why Paul is instructing us here, hey, you're going to get tired, don't get tired. Keep going. I mean, and just think about the thousands of illustrations that we've talked about with this already. I mean, one of them that just rings clear as a bell, I have a family member that's a farmer. And a lot of the times whenever we read the farming agricultural illustrations in the Bible, we think, well, you put the seed in the ground, and then you just wait for like four months, and then harvest time. And if you have ever known a farmer, that is not the way it works, <laughs> okay? You have all the prep work and exhaustion that goes up to putting the seed in the ground, and then you have all the prep work and, and exhaustion that goes into making sure the seed in the ground holds, and then you have all the prep work and exhaustion that goes into getting the plant out of the ground. There's no, there's no relaxation time except when you're off season as a farmer. When it's season, you're going, baby. You're going all the time. So what's the temptation for the farmer? To grow what? Weary. To get tired. To grow weary in all of his good doing. He has to look forward all the time that the sweat is on his brows. He continues to labor over and over again. He has to look forward to the potential harvest that's coming. To the hundredfold return that he's going to receive as a result of his work. He has to keep his eyes forward in order to keep his hands to the work. There is this space between sowing and reaping where the temptation to despair hits. One of my favorite missionary biographies that I've ever heard was Adoniram Judson. I've used his illustration many times. Maybe you've heard it before. But if you haven't, I would encourage you to go listen to Adoniram Judson's biography. John Piper gives a lecture on it. You can find his. It's life-changing. It really is. But Adoniram Judson was a, a missionary to Myanmar, Burma. Okay? You know. And while he was there, he went with his whole family. He took him over there and and his, wife, his first wife dies. He gets arrested, gets put in jail. He's trying to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. He had eight, no, he had like 11 kids, of, 11 kids of which I think it was like eight of them that passed away because of the conditions that they were living in. Over and over and over again, he's losing, he's losing, he's losing again and again. And he was there for almost 30 years, 30 years without one convert. Could you imagine that? Imagine writing that support letter. Well, we're in year 29. So far, nothing's happened. I got to tell you, I'd stop mailing checks, <laughs> you know. I, I, I would look at that and be like, I, don't, I think that's a fruitless mission. But then, that next year rolled by. And in Adoniram Judson's life, he had sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed and grown weary, I'm sure, again and again and again. And was tempted to very serious dark places. Go check out his biography if you haven't seen it. But then year, I believe it was 30, shows up. 
and people start walking from miles away to his home where he lived and knocking on the door and saying things like, are you the Jesus Christ man? I hear that there's a hell and I fear it. What must I do to be saved? They came to him. You see? There's this space between sowing and reaping. There's this space where we're all just sitting down and saying, I hope this works. <laughs> I hope this works. It, like when you're raising children, I am faithfully applying the discipline of the Lord because that's what the Bible says that I should do. I am faithfully teaching you, little children, the ways of the Lord because that's what the Bible says that I should do. But it seems like I'm having the same conversation every day about 47 times and nothing new's happened yet, <laughs> right? Because that's how little kids work. I, I've said the same thing a lot and I don't know that there's any fruit yet. That's what it is. It's sowing and then there's a long time between reaping. There's a long time between the birth of a child and you first really being able to see the fruits. I would wager you might see a little bit at three or four years. You might see some. You could probably see a tiny bit at around two, but it's also like, is that gas? I don't know. Like, you're not, you're not sure. And then, let me tell you, as a dad with teenagers now, Around 10 years, you say, oh, I think it worked. <laughs> I think I see something. I think I for real see something. And sooner with some kids and later for other kids. But it is a joy to see your children following in the fear and admonition of the Lord in their lives. It's a joy. But don't think for a second that it's quick. <laughs> it's not quick. Imagine... So we have the academy at Christ Church. It's down in Lafayette. You know, we, a lot of us send our kids down there. You want to know how many kids are at that school when that school started? Four. Oh, was there five? Excuse me, five. He doesn't know. He's shrugging. A small number. Four or five. And there was a lot of trials that came with that. Can you imagine starting an institution like that? Starting a school and working with families and figuring things out and learning how to do what and how to not do what? There's a lot of challenges along the way. And now we're very blessed. that we, The Lord has blessed and my, my kids are going to the school and they're smart. I like that. You know, <laughs> I see that fruit come out from it as well. And there's more families and more kids that continue to send. There. There's fruit that we're seeing return. We got 10th graders at the school now. 10th graders. We are going to graduate seniors in a couple of years, man. That's crazy. But there's this space in the middle where you're like, is this going to work? <laughs> Is this going to happen? Are we going to make it? The same thing applies to savings accounts and things like that. It's, it's an idea of delayed gratification over time. You have savings accounts. You have investment accounts. You have all these different things. And you're putting this money away. And you're looking at it. And you're thinking, I know what the chart says is supposed to happen. But is that going to be what happens? You see, between sowing and reaping, there's this space where you're just waiting and praying. And hoping and trusting the Lord. And the Bible tells us very clearly right there in verse 9. Don't get tired. Keep going. Keep going. Now I want to talk to you about a couple of things that can happen to you while you're in that space today. Okay. There's a couple of specific temptations that can happen while you're in that gap between the sowing and the reaping. Go, go with me to Matthew chapter 13. You know this. You know honestly you don't even have to turn there if you don't want to. 
But Matthew chapter 13 is a good illustration. It's Jesus' parable on the, on the parable of the good sower uh, that's going to help us understand more and more about what can happen in that space. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3, it says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, specifically, I want to draw your attention to that spot right in the middle where it talks about the understanding of the, 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 the seed being choked out. That's, that's the cares of this world. The, the, you ever heard the expression, the tyranny of the urgent? This is my current favorite expression to use right now. Yeah, you know. There's this concept called the tyranny of the urgent. When is that due? As soon as possible. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and whenever, whenever you have something that's urgent, and it's urgent all the time, that means everything else that you're doing suffers as a result of it, right? The, the, the cares of this world, the tyranny of the, of the urgent comes out and it strangles the rest of your fruitful work. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it causes there to be problems in everything else you're doing because you're always stretched thin. The cares of this world. There could be other things too. The idea of, of, of persecution, the idea of difficulties, obstacles in front of you. All of those things can choke out your fruitfulness while you're in that space in the middle. Okay? The, the birds of the air, the rocky soil, the things, the cares of this world, all of those things can choke out your fruitfulness while you're in that space in the middle. Watch out. Watch out. But let me also say this. When you get serious about your fruitfulness in your life, okay, when you get serious, when you put your head down, when you say, no, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm doing what he says, and I'm working to be fighting and fruitful for the rest of my days, we're doing this. Get ready, because when you seriously commit to getting to work and being fruitful, that's when the trials are going to hit, right? 100%. When you put your head down and decide you're really going to get to work and you're really going to fight to be faithful and fruitful for the rest of your life, that's when the difficulties come. Why? A lot of reasons, okay? Let me, let me give you just a couple real fast. One of the first reasons that you're going to see trials come, difficult times come to you in the moments that you decide to put your head down and really get to work is because God wants them to. Amen? That's how God refines his people. God refines his people through difficulties. The gold goes through what to become more pure? Fire. The trial comes intentionally for us. One of the first reasons that the difficulties come, when we, when we commit to being fruitful for the Lord and for his glory, difficulties come because God is refining us, because he re promises to. He promises to refine us, and we should receive those things with joy. He is keeping his promise. First and foremost, it is a blessing from the Lord, the difficulties that he sends upon us to challenge us, refine us, make us stronger, and then on the other side, do what? Make you more fruitful, right? Second reason. Why do the trials come? First off, they come within the purview of God and his purpose to refine and bring you. But I want you to remember something very carefully. In the book of Job, the devil asked for permission to tempt 
Job with trials, right? The devil operates on a leash. And the moment that you commit to be fruitful and faithful in the Lord Jesus and to sow faithfully all your days, you have a target. And now you're a worthwhile target, right? I'm telling you, because when you're complacent and you don't care and whatever, you know, everything's going to be what it is, you're not a worthwhile target. You don't need to be taken out. Do you see what I'm saying? You don't, you don't need to be maligned. You don't need to be tossed to the side. Whenever you're off on your own doing your own thing and not really caring about the kingdom of Christ, you can get left alone. All you, you're not a threat. You just go zombie scroll on your phone until you fall asleep all day. That's all you do. But when you double down, when you decide to fight and advance the kingdom of Christ, when you, get to, when you fight to be fruitful, get ready because the target's coming. And it will come after you and send you at some times in despair. Do not grow weary in good doing because the temptation is to grow weary. It is. And it will continually be so. So how do we fight it? I want to read this verse to you from Nehemiah chapter 6. This might be one of my favorite verses in Nehemiah. I'm just saying, okay? But there's a specific verse here. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 3. How do we fight this temptation? Well, how did Nehemiah fight it? He says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. <laughs> what a great retort. Do you remember the context here? Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the walls of Israel, and somebody's coming up and saying, hey, the governor said that you're not allowed to actually rebuild those walls, so we got to go to a meeting where you got to appeal with the governor and make sure that you've got permission. You don't have a permit, in other words. That's what they're saying to him. Excuse me, sir. We don't see your permit. We don't know that you have permission to build this here. Nehemiah's retort is, I got too much work to do. I, I'm not coming. I'm out. You, you go figure it out. Amongst, go fight amongst yourselves. I got, I, I'm busy about a great work. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? In other words, Nehemiah recognizes that all these guys are trying to do to him is tempt him to stop the work. They're distracting him, in other words. And this is a normal tactic of the enemy in all of our lives. There's a lot of common darts, distractions, tactics that he'll use against you. Um, as you start to reap, let's, just, let's say that you've been faithfully sowing for a little while. Okay? You've, been, you've been sowing a, a, a good work ethic and you've gotten promoted and advanced in your career. Um, you, you've been sowing um, faithfully into the church and you've seen uh, financial repercussions come from that, financial blessings come from that. You've, you've seen like you're learning more and growing in the Lord right? You see all these kind of things start happening, and as you begin to reap, maybe it's financial, maybe it's your reputation, maybe it's your social connections, the deception, the dart, the target that the enemy puts on your back is that the, the money, the notoriety, the honor, the connections, that those are the end goal. Here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. When you start to experience the financial blessings that you're reaping as a result of your sowing, when you're starting to experience the social blessings that you're reaping because of your sowing, you'll start to say, I am pretty smart. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has this happened to you yet? Well, it will. So just listen. I am, this is a good thing that I did. I, I have done, I have done well for myself. Yes, I am an important person. Haven't you seen this play out so many times before in the world? Someone becomes successful and then they become convinced that their success is because of themselves. And not because of the Lord. 
And that pride cometh before what? A fall every time. That's how it works. Watch out. They forget that they were sowing faithfully because of the promises of God. And therefore they reaped because God kept his promise, not because they deserved it. You see, it's just a, it's a little shift, but it gets you. And then what happens? And then your reaping is cut off because you've forgotten the right way to sow. Maybe you've got a few years left of reaping of those initial blessings, or maybe that's possible, but you, you, you lose it because you stop sowing faithfully according to the promise of the word. Those things are not the end goal. The kingdom of God is. What, what, what does the Bible say? Seek ye first what? The kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. The, 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 the notoriety, the, the blessings, the whatever it may be. Seek first the kingdom. Don't get tossed by the early fruits. The enemy loves to take a good thing and, and twist it and confuse you, right? He, he loves. He loves to take that good thing, whether it's a financial blessing or a, a reputational blessing or a, I'm being accepted by this community around me or whatever it could possibly be. He would love to take that and shine it up and make it real good looking so that that's all you care about now. Right? But that's not the end goal. Christ in his kingdom is what you're chasing. Christ in his glory is what you're chasing. And every dollar in your bank account and every amount of your social reputation and every bit of success that you have ever had is for him and for his glory. And if you remember that, if you remember that, It'll save you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. How do we fight that, though? Okay? What's, how, do, how do we fight that shiny? Man, look. I got money in the bank. Has that ever happened to you before? Where you're like, things, are, things seem to be working out. It happens for most people like right around 40. <laughs> okay? If, if you chart the average income of most people... Uh, it, it goes, you're in your 20s, you're broke, and then you start having kids because and then you're more broke, right? And then right around 40, you look at your bank account and you're like, I paid all the bills and there's still money there. What has happened? And then that money starts to be your security or your comfort or the, way, or the, the place from which you derive your, your pleasure in life. And not the Lord. In other words, you let the shiny distract you. <laughs> the, the shiny takes over. How do we fight that? Well, what happened in the parable of the sower? Go, go back and look at the parable of the sower, right? Where did the good seed take root and grow well? Not in the rocks, not when it was on the path, but in the good dirt. And for the sake of our analogy, what's the good dirt? Where, where, is, where is the seed taking root? Okay, well, think forward to Paul's analogy. Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God does what? He gives the growth, right? So if we're thinking in terms of good dirt, what's good dirt? It's Jesus' church is what it is. Where, where can you put good roots down? Where can you get a chance to truly grow? Where can you be challenged based on the word of God to not just chase the shiny things? 
in Jesus' church, with his people, when the congregation is bringing all good things to one another and the pastor is bringing all good things and you're bringing all good things. You see how that works? You see how it works? You challenge and edify and, 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 and preach and proclaim the truths that you learn and people are brought up. They grow accordingly. You fight the temptation of the shiny thing by being a part of Jesus' church. The word, discipleship, prayer, the teaching and the preaching, all of those things. The kingdom is grown through the good soil of Jesus' people. Right? I mean, just think with me. You ever been like just down in the dumps and you reach out to a brother or sister in Christ and they give you the word of God and it maybe it stings a little bit, but in the end it helped. You remember all these different moments where, where you've needed to be rebuked and encouraged and it came from Jesus' people? That's what we're talking about here. You fight this distraction by being integrated, deeply connected to Jesus' people. So, go to church. Be a member. Be in covenantal community. If the doors are open, you show up. We've got Bible studies. We've got, we're doing this psalm singing thing on Friday. If you don't know about it, I'll tell you more about it after church. Just come and holler at me. We've got opportunities to connect with other believers that you may be encouraged by them. So do so. Do so. But that's one temptation that can happen in the middle of that season. But what's some more? Let me, get, let me, get, let me give you one more. So as you are sowing in this season of, of a lack of reaping, right? You put your seed in the ground. There's this time where the seed grows. You know, maybe, it'll, maybe you'll pull it up. Maybe you won't at the end. Maybe the harvest is going to turn. You don't know it. You're just waiting. You're sowing along the way. How we sow matters. In other words, we should sow with, with a particular attitude. If you look at Proverbs, I've got several Proverbs for you. I'm just going to read through them very quickly so that you can have this. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, you can write that down. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs chapter 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. In other words, how you sow matters. Do you see? How you sow matters. And your attitude in that time of, you know, not really reaping yet, must be one of diligence. If you think back through the Bible, uh, Jacob was sinned against by Laban. We just read this not too long ago in our Bible reading plan. Jacob was sinned against by Laban again and again and again and again. And yet he was blessed. Why? Well, because he had the blessing of the Lord. Sure, but what else about him? He was diligent. He did the work the Lord called him to do, and he did it faithfully. He continued to keep his word. Nehemiah was blessed to return to Israel from the hand of the king. Why? Because Nehemiah was diligent in his work as cupbearer to the king. He was. He served diligently. And this is what you and I are called to do as well. Look, we have... Um, as you can see when you look around you, the stomach virus going through our church right now. Amen? It's been going through for several weeks, and we've all had our turn at one point or another. Welcome to life and community. 
But you know what is interesting to me? I don't know how long you've been raising children or if you have kids. But here's how little kids work. They wait until you least expect it and then the vomit, right? That's it. That's just, I mean, that's the bottom line. Whether the least you expect it is 2.30 in the morning and all you hear over the little kid monitor is this weird splat and you think, oh no, what's happened? Or, uh, as happened in our house not too long ago, child walks up to us and says, hey mom, blue, and it just hits the floor. And you think, I didn't even see this coming. And in those moments, what's your temptation to do? I'm, I'm going, to, I didn't hear anything, I'm going to bed. <laughs> right? I got too much going on, this is not for me, I'm not doing this, I got to go to sleep. I'll see y'all later. But what does the Bible tell us to do? Diligence. Diligence. You check on your kids, you clean them up, you stick them in the tub, you run them, baptize them through the water, however many times you got to, you know, like you get the stuff off of them, you deal with it appropriately. I think it took us like two hours to recover from like one vomit episode, you know, just to get the house back to where it was sort of normal again. Diligence. Your kid needs the, the love of the Lord. And sometimes they need the love of the Lord for a couple of hours. And you as faithful parents must be diligent. If you want to expect to reap that faithful, godly, Christian young man or woman years down the road. It takes your diligence now. It does. It takes your faithfulness now. That's what the Lord has called us all to do. Diligence. Why do folks live blessed lives in Jesus? Look, I got two more verses for you. More Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, and Proverbs chapter 17, verse 2. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? Make straight your paths. The promise is there. In all your ways acknowledge him. Give all good things, right? All of them. That's diligence. That's faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 2, A servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance, will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. So be diligent. You got a job? Crush it. Crush it. One of the things that I learned very valuably, uh, very valuable to me over the last several months is the idea of operating in minutes and not tasks. Very helpful. Hey, I'm allocating this much time to do this thing and I'm going to do this thing for this much time, period, full stop. And I'm not going to be distracted. Because that's, the, that's one of the things, if you're, if you're task-oriented, if you only do things based on tasks, then like, I have to get these three things done today. And in an eight-hour day, guess what you got done? Just those three things. But if we think, frame things in the terms of time, if we can, Maybe you can't in your current space. But if we frame things in terms of time, we can increase our fruitfulness. Go hard. Kill it. If you have a job, work hard at that job. If you don't have a job, get a job and then work hard at it. That's what the Lord has called you to do. You own a business, work hard and be the best that you possibly can. The common expression is you go the extra mile. Whatever. Do that. The point is be diligent in your work, and trust the Lord with the results. There's too much 
lackadaisicalness in the Christian community. Why are all the Christian movies so bad? Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. I do. The Christian movies, by and large, for a long time, have been terrible. That's not to the glory of God. That's like, uh, I'm marketing to a specific audience, the Christians, so it doesn't have to be that good, so here you go. No. What the Lord has called us to is to be diligent and excellent. Don't halfway run it and then say, well, I'm a Christian, so pay me anyway. No! That happens. That has happened. I've heard stories about people who have hired Christian roofers to do their roof, and whenever they go back and look at the work after it's done, it's wrong. And, and there are problems, and there's all kinds of issues. But, you know, they're Christians, so we don't expect it to be that great. That is discouraging. <laughs> That's discouraging. We should be crushing the game harder than everybody else around us. Christians work harder. That should be our reputation. And the reputation of Christ. You represent him. Don't halfway do it. Work as though you're working for Jesus. I just got to visit with some really cool guys who own a business down in Lafayette. I got to talk to them this past week. And they, they gave me this really idea, really neat idea. They said, when you do your work, you work as though the client is Jesus. And I was like, oh, that would definitely change the way I worked. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely drive me in a new direction. I see that. That's helpful. Thank you. When you do your work, work as though you are literally not doing it just like as though the Lord's watching, but as though you are serving Jesus directly with your work. Yes and amen. And don't be lazy. Be diligent and follow the Lord. So, you want to be great in the kingdom of Christ? In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Serve and serve diligently. If all you want to do is climb the social ladder and get money in the bank, watch out. God might just grant you that wish as a curse. He might. You wonder why lottery winners win so much money and then are broke a few months later? Because it's a curse, not a blessing. You see? That's how the world works. But if you diligently serve the Lord, he will send you on that trajectory for your glory. If all you want to do is climb the social ladder, if all you want to do is put money in the bank, God might just give you that as a curse, not a blessing. But if you serve and serve diligently, he will bless according to his word. If you want to network and leverage your relationships for the kingdom of Christ, be diligent, serve, and love others, Jesus will bless it. Seek ye First, the kingdom of Christ, and he will bless it. So, tend and be diligent. And if we do this, the Bible makes it clear that the Lord will bless it. Let me, ju let me just end by saying this. I hinted at it a little bit. But we want to be a community known for our good deeds, right? We want to be a community of believers known in our region, in our city, in our parish, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, all of those things. We want to be known for our good deeds, literally for our good works. And we want the world to be blessed by it. So that means in this space that you might find yourself in right now between sowing and reaping, okay? In this space, which we all find ourselves in right now, between sowing and reaping, be diligent. Be diligent. 
Work hard and trust the Lord with the results. And he promises, he promises to bless us. Let's pray.